0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Breaking Biotech. Thank you all so much for being here today. My name is Matt, and please hit the like button, share it, uh, leave me a comment. greatly appreciate it. Today, I want to talk about three different things. Um, Actually, I'm going to start with the macro environment a little bit, uh, talk about the Gilead failure in NASH, talk about DBVT, and then finish up with Catalyst Biosciences. So uh, yeah, how's everyone doing? I uh, I have my laptop back, so I'm very excited about that. So I will also get into my portfolio. Um, yeah, other than that, it's been a been a pretty good week, pretty heavy news week, which is uh, always entertaining. So if we just get into it, the uh, on the macro stage anyway, uh, Trump signed a funding bill for the government, so there's no more looming shutdown. So that's kind of uh, swept away now. I, I personally don't think it's great for the country itself, but it's definitely good for the markets. Um, you know, we just keep racking up the debt, the federal government debt, which uh, is not good long term. But right now, it's looking good. The uh, SPX finished up at like $2.2775, so pretty pretty uh, bullish twenty-nineteen so far. And uh, even the XBI closed above. Um, 85.8, which uh, I'll look I'll show a chart in a second, but uh, the one other piece of news that the markets are waiting for is a trade deal with China. So uh, Trump pushed the deadline for for a trade deal further so the tariffs are going to be delayed. And uh, I think it's going to be kind of a sell the news event though, just given how much the markets rallied on the potential resolution of these trade uh, issues that have been going on so if it actually does come to fruition i think it's going to lead to some some more turmoil in the markets but as long as uh, they keep talking about the potential trade deal it seems like we're just going to keep going uh, bullish so looking at the xbi though i uh i noticed that you know around this 85.8 region we, we we hit this a couple times at least in the last i guess uh four months here we hit it like four times and then failed to break above uh, until Friday, so Friday uh, closed at the high and well above 86. So, you know, this would suggest uh, more bullish momentum to follow. But uh, a couple of levels that I'm looking at following this are 89.4, and uh, before it gets there, it'll probably go up and down. But you know, I don't have any options positions open on on the XBI, just uh, just equity that I'm holding, and it's only a few shares. So, you know. I'm, uh, I'm really surprised how bullish this year has been, or since the December 24th uh, bear market ended, and I think a lot of people are kind of wondering whether or not we're going to go all the way back to new all-time highs, or if we're going to see some sort of retracement from this big move, and uh, I'm not sure, but you know I'm keeping some uh, cash on the sidelines just in case, so we'll see, but let's get into more interesting stuff, so Gilead, their Stellar 4 trial, their study in patients with compensated cirrhosis with the ASK1 inhibitor, uh failed dramatically. So the uh, the primary uh, endpoint is achieving a greater or equal to one stage improvement in fibrosis without worsening of NASH after 48 weeks of treatment. And uh, at two different doses, this uh, drug was given, salansertib and... Uh, Both of them showed no improvement over placebo. So I think the uh, P value for the six milligram dose was one. So very much uh, a failure here. And uh, the stock actually dropped in the news, which isn't super surprising, but uh, all of those losses, I think it got up to like 5% of a loss, but it's completely retraced that loss and it's back to where it was before. And it's not super surprising. I wish I had pulled the trigger when when that thought crossed my mind that the losses weren't going to stick around, but you know. What are you going to do uh, on the positive side though the companies with uh, thyroid hormone receptor beta agonists are, are now up about 10 percentage and they're kind of holding their gains at least from this news so uh, i haven't sold anything because i do think they're going to continue to increase once we see some of the intercept data and maybe some more readouts this year and uh, regarding readouts so gilead also does have a similar trial with solancertib except it's with patients with bridging fibrosis. And this is a, a less severe form of fibrosis. Uh, so if you notice, the F4 is the compensated cirrhosis, which is very severe. Uh, so F3 is one stage before that, and F0 is is very mild, or it might be no cirrhosis at all. So, uh, so it's less severe. I see no reason why this should succeed. Um, so I'm expecting a failure here, but uh, this is also a phase three. But the Atlas Phase Two, I'm, I'm more mixed on in terms of, you know, what we could see because it's a combination with their FXR agonist plus the ACC inhibitor and this salonsertib. So, you know, this combination could be fruitful, and we we already know that um, that FXR agonism is able to reduce, uh, Nash, in you know the the intercept trials that we saw. So it's possible that. Uh, an FXR agonist in combination with these two could have a more dramatic effect on um, on fibrosis. So I'm, I'm more mixed here and uh, you know it could be positive, but they would still be pretty far behind uh, a lot of the other phase twos that I think have have a promising future in the space and uh, yeah you know a lot of people were excited on Twitter about Gilead failing uh, this trial because you know Gilead has a lot of money on the sidelines and they could buy up some smaller, Nash company that's in an earlier phase it's possible I don't see a reason why they would do that uh, at least until they get uh, an all-around failure with all of their compounds so if they saw a failure here and a failure here then you know maybe it's something but I'm not losing sleep waiting around for them to buy uh, Magical I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with Magical's data and uh, and what they're gonna be able to do um, moving forward so uh, we have Intercept coming up, which is, of course, uh, a big one. OCA is, uh, you know, they showed good data in reducing NASH or reducing fibrosis, but with some side effects. So, you know, I think the data is going to be, they showed an improvement in NASH, but it also came with some side effects re- regarding uh, exacerbating type 2 diabetes. So I, uh, I don't think that a positive readout from Intercept is going to be that negative towards uh, Viking or Madrigal. Uh, another company that has a readout coming up, and I've never really talked about them, is Allergan, and it's a it's a compound that's supposed to inhibit um, macrophage uh, chemotaxis. I believe you should all do your own due diligence with this. But I, uh, you know, it's it's one of those theories in the field right now that the the macrophages contribute to the fibrosis in the liver. And if you can prevent the macrophages from infiltrating it, then maybe you can see uh, an improvement in fibrosis. And um, it's it's a decent theory because they've also seen um, macrophages, the root cause of a lot of negative things like type 2 diabetes. But um, I I don't know enough to, to really have an opinion to put any money on it. So if uh, if you're interested though, there's going to be a readout in Q3 of 2019. So definitely Uh, do some background there all right so DBVT, uh yeah that's all i wanted to say right now about nash so DBVT, this is the uh, company that has a subcutaneous um, desensitization therapy for food allergies and they submitted a bla for their product uh, in october of last year and then in december they got a letter from the fda saying that uh, they had to provide more information about their manufacturing process. So the company withdrew the BLA saying that they were going to you know provide the the necessary data or forms or whatever that the FDA wanted and resubmit but we didn't really know when this was going to be. So we found out today, not today, but this week that uh, they figured it out and they're going to resubmit the BLA for Q3 of 2019. So it's an overall delay of one year before the um, you know, from what we didn't realize in, in October. And if we look at the stock, actually, uh, so this was the date that we got word that they were going to delay the BLA. And, you know, the, the stock dropped pretty much in half. And then the news that the BLA is going to be resubmitted in Q3, uh, is this pump right here from seven to about eight. So, you know, uh, the market is very much pricing in that this one-year delay is going to hold them back from from really penetrating the the allergy market, and uh, it's possible. I think that there's probably more upside here to DBVT, um, but there's not really many things to like look forward to until we actually figure out whether or not this delay sets them back in the market. So, you know, I I'm tempted to take a position here, and I know I've said that a lot with this company, and I've never actually done it, but. Uh, you know, this time I might take a look and see what sort of catalysts they have coming up on the other allergies and uh, make a decision there. But, you know, this gives Amy and a big head start in really penetrating the market. So, um, interesting stuff though. All right. The last thing I want to talk about was uh, catalyst bio. So C bio is a company that is involved in hemophilia and, uh, I've talked a lot about blood disorders, and hemophilic products, and sickle cell disease, and there's a lot of different companies out there trying to tackle these problems from different directions. So uh, what Catalyst Bio is trying to do is they're trying to come up with compounds that patients can inject subcutaneously in order for patients to get a better, um, more stable levels of these factors so uh, they don't have to go through intravenous uh, infusions. And that uh, they can do them themselves because it's kind of a pain that they have to go somewhere to get this IV done. And if they can get these compounds to be injected sub-Q, then patients can just do them themselves. So there is a need for this for sure. But, you know, again, there's a ton of competition in this area and things like gene therapy are absolutely going to threaten this business. But given that gene therapy still has a decent way before it's actually going to be implemented, uh, I, I do see that catalyst bio could have some upside so the two products that they're looking at is a factor uh, 7a and a factor 9 okay so they're factor 9 so these are for patients with hemophilia b and hemophilia hemophilia b is actually um, very very close to getting a good gene therapy for it so i know that uh, sangamo well sorry uh, spark has a product that's very close and uh, Sangamo also has a product that's very close. Despite their zinc finger stuff, the hemophilia B product is not the three vectors. So it's just the cDNA that they're injecting, uh, that they're getting a virus to put into liver cells. So uh, these candidates are going to absolutely uh, hold this compound back. But basically, uh, the, their factor 9, catalyst bios factor 9, they came up with is better potency than the current treatment. So the different cohorts that they have are, are combinations of uh, injection methods and number of injections. So we can see here that in the cohort that receive the most of it, they get relatively stable um, factor 9, and it, it's relatively high, uh, which is good. Now, the problem is that in this cohort 6, so the patients that have this high amount of uh, factor 9, uh, they generated neutralizing antibodies and this obviously um, prevented the amount of factor 9 activity uh, in in these people. Um, but they're moving on so this is in a phase uh, one, two and they uh, so they did a bunch of tests to figure out the genotype of these people, and the two patients that were affected by this are actually cousins, and they both have the same genetic mutation that uh, led them to react and, express these neutralizing antibodies against factor 9. So the company's moving forward with a phase 2b, uh, and they started that in this quarter, and they should see data in Q3 of 2019. So uh, Q3 of 2019 is going to be uh, very important for this company uh, for for both of their products. So the their uh, Dalc A, their factor 9 product, it's people are really going to be looking for Uh, data on neutralizing antibodies in in their patients. It seems like the efficacy is there anyway, but the neutralizing antibodies are going to be a very big issue. But the the product that I'm more interested in is this Factor uh, 7A compound, Myrazyptekog-alpha. So 30% of heme A patients and 5% of heme B patients develop these inhibitors, just things like antibodies that uh, make the treatments not work. So bypassing agents are, are needed to make sure that these patients can get their clotting back under control. So uh, just this I took this one figure, um, patients before treatment and then after treatment, and we can see a big decrease in the amount of bleeding events. So, you know, I, I think the efficacy is definitely there for these patients. And uh, they have a phase three readout in Q3 as well. Did I say phase three? Phase 2 data. Sorry. Yeah, so at this conference here, this uh, ISTH, they're um, in July. Uh, it's going to be a, an interesting thing, and I think that uh, it's worth playing personally. So they're going to have this neutralizing antibody info as well as some updated data for for their uh, Mars AA. And when I looked at the company's financials, um, they have about a hundred and and 30 million dollars of cash and they're trading at around a 100 million dollar market cap so i feel like a lot of the downside uh has been already they're already at um even at like nine bucks i think it's a decent bet that seeing positive data in either one of these products could increase the stock substantially so i think i'm going to take a uh, a position in anticipation that this uh, compound marzetta alpha data is uh, is pretty good and even if the DALC-A data isn't that great, I think the stock could could definitely increase on that. So I'm going to take a uh, position, and I'll show everybody next week. All right. So with that, um, this is the portfolio. This is what's been going on lately. So uh, we'll just show you the overall. So overall, I'm at like 2.5% for the year, uh, which is abysmal compared to the S&P and the XBI, which the XBI is almost at like 25 now. Volatility continues to contract, so, you know, we just, we keep going back to that complacency, and I want to say that this means that we're going to get a spike in volatility coming up, but, you know, that's not what this means. This basically just means that um, people are pricing in, or they're less anticipating a big downfall, but that doesn't mean that a big downfall couldn't happen. So, Anyway, on uh, individual companies, so I mentioned that Viking and Madrigal saw an increase um, after the bad Sloan Certib data, and uh, that's reflected here in the in the pro- in the portfolio. Um, I think, actually, yeah, Spark is going to have uh, earnings released this week, so I'm going to keep an eye on that. I don't think they have really any uh, big catalyst other than that, but I'm going to have to double check. Um, Yeah. Otherwise, still waiting for the Sarepta data, but the stock price has increased a lot in anticipation for good results. So uh, that's good. But let's we'll wait and see for the data first. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah. So that's all I got for you guys today. But uh, thank you so much for watching, and please like and subscribe, and I would really appreciate it. And with that, we'll see you next time.